Welcome aboard and buckle up. You're now listening to Shift Happens with Jim Milloway. Now, let's dive in, go deep, share ideas, and take a good look at what we in the benefits industry can do to accelerate the shift to the member-first economy. And now, live from Zero Studios, your host, the more infamous than famous, Jim Milloway. Hey there. Welcome to Shift Happens with Jim Milloway. This is an in-depth look at what we as in the benefits industry can do to accelerate the shift to the member-first healthcare economy. It's a reality that uses modern approaches, customer delight, data analytics, and the best possible patient experience to shift an industry to where it needs to be. My name's Jim Milloway. I'm CEO and one of the co-founders at ZeroCard. And on most days, I'm going to be fielding all the questions on the Shift Happens podcast. But today, since this is our first episode, I wanted to invite a very special guest, Lori Graves. Lori's a longtime industry leader and an advocate for the shift we're going to be focusing on this show and the future shows. So let's get started and shift this. Uh, Lori, welcome. Welcome. Uh, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure, certainly. I'm happy to. And thanks for having me on the show. You know, this is a topic that's near and dear to me, as you're aware. Uh, I'm an HR and management consultant. And my team and I spend a lot of time working with clients you know, all over the country and really across all different sectors, helping them design comp and benefit programs that really set their employees up for success, right? And, and a lot of that work we do is really focused on health benefit plans, right? And building plans that really allow employees to take control of their health, to receive quality health care, and to not go broke in the process, right? And the really good news is it's just not as hard as it sounds. So I'm thrilled to be here. Well, perfect. Thank you so much for joining us. So normally on the Shift Happens call, right, I'm going to be the one asking the questions, right? But since this is the first one, Lori gets to come after me. So Lori, I am ready. Fire away. Awesome. Okay. So I think there's a ton of questions I could ask, but I feel like I'm going to start with the one that is what most people are probably thinking, which is why are you doing this show? Yeah. That's a good question. And and we have a responsibility, I think, all of us to start creating this dialogue. You know, one of the big problems that we've had uh, in the benefits industry and specifically in healthcare is the lack of cost controls and quality data and convenience and outcomes for the plan member. And to get there, we need to have the buyers of of healthcare, the employers and the providers of healthcare as the sellers and, and the brokers and advisors that are critical to all this working having these hard conversations uh, where collectively we can chart the right path forward. Okay, that makes sense. And, you know, one of the things I know I've heard you talk about before, and I think it would be helpful to explain what you mean is when you say big health care, right? What does that mean when you use that term? Yeah, so w- w- when we think about big health care, right, so these are the big dominant legacy incumbent systems that for so long have produced less than desirable outcomes, right, for the employers and even more so for the employees and their plan members. So, you know, these are legacy tech systems, right, that are built to extract as many codes as they can out of a patient rather than determine what the ideal treatment plan or outcome for that patient might be. You know, these are big health plans, right, that might be focused on, you know, revenue growth rather than than lowering premiums. So big healthcare is focused on maintaining the status quo, right? We're looking to help the innovators, both on the provider side 
employer side and in the middle of those, the brokers, right? How do we accelerate the shift to a member first economy, right? So the antithesis of big healthcare is one that's focused on the member first and foremost every time. Okay. Okay. So interesting description when you talk about, you know, describing it as a system, I think that that resonates a little bit. And so what do you think has been missing from this healthcare system, right? This healthcare ecosystem that's gotten us to where we are today. Yeah, you know, so so big healthcare and kind of the legacy plans, right, have three critical problems, right? There's there's really a bad approach to begin with, right? How do we build health plans and benefit plans on a one-size-fits-all model, right? Knowing that every employer is different, but even with every employer, right, you know, you know, I'm married with two young kids. My needs from a health plan are drastically different than they were when I was 28 years old. They're going to be drastically different than they are when my kids are in college, right? So we've got these bad approaches that inform ultimately bad design, right? So I've got deductibles and copays that are the same for me as they are for other people on the plan, regardless of my situation, and even regardless of the value of the procedure I'm going after, uh, right, and there's an ultimately bad approach and bad design just deliver awful outcomes, right? This is extremely frustrating and confusing for employers as it is for the employees, and we just continue to spend more to get less. Yeah, agreed. And, you know, particularly when I hear you talk about that idea of um, value, right, and value-driven, I think that that's one of the big things that I see when I work with clients that I feel like is often overlooked in health plan design is really understanding what value means, right, and how to drive that in. So, um, you know, one of the other interesting things, and, and you've mentioned this a couple of times now in your answers, is this idea of a member-first economy, right? So I, I have my feeling of what I think that means, right, when I hear it and when I say it, but tell me what that means to you in this context. So I, we've not seen the shift, we've not seen the shift in healthcare delivery that we've seen in other aspects of our lives, right? So, you know, the Ubers of the world and the Airbnbs of the world and the Etsy's of the world, you know, have conditioned me and most consumers to expect, you know, 10 times the delight for a fraction of the cost, if not for free. And, you know, when you look at when you look at an Airbnb, right, as an example, or any kind of marketplace business, right, these are logical marketplaces, right? How do I, how do I provide value to the person needing the service? And how do I provide value to the person rendering the service? And we've never had that type of logic in healthcare, right? So we're trying to disintermediate an opaque and underperforming system. And, and, and how do we find the employers and the brokers and the providers that are pushing towards this member first economy? And like most things, you know, we anticipate, right, change happens gradually than suddenly. Um, you know, we've seen, we've seen COVID and the impact of that, you know, get us to suddenly a lot more quicker, right? Telemedicine is a great example, right, of what something in a member first economy looks like. Interesting. Okay, that's interesting. And, and I think your correlation, right, to the things like um, Uber and VRBO, that idea of whenever we have seen areas in our economy where things seem ridiculously overpriced, but there doesn't seem to be an alternative, those are all the things that feel like they've been breaking down, right, over the last several right. years. It makes sense that healthcare would be poised to have the same thing happen. Um, that, I, think that's, I think that's a great point, and I think that puts it in a context that it's easy to kind of wrap your brain around. So, 
Um, so one of the other things that I know you and I have talked a lot about, right, and I've heard you talk about this in different forums, is the need for this data-driven platform to help drive decisions, right? We've talked about the, the patient uh, experience and the member-first economy, but this need for data-driven platform, help me understand like what that is, paint a picture of that, and kind of what gap it fills in, in the system that we're talking about. Yeah, so our, our employer customers and our broker partners don't need another product strategy right? Here's one more product you can go sell. Here's one more product that you can go buy. And so we've built the tools to how do we help people build platform strategies, right? So how do I define my desired outcome? And ultimately, how do I use data to get to that? And more specifically, right? So my experience having been involved, you know, working at large regional HMO, uh, right, health carriers and working for large integrated health systems and my background as a broker and through zero card is, Time and time again, we realize that the world of employee benefits and specifically of healthcare uh, is a world full of data with no information, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not hard to get a whole bunch of reports, right, from whoever, TPAs, stop loss, carriers, third-party vendors, data warehouses that, that give you tons of data and no information. They tell you what's going on, but they don't tell you what to do. And so when we think about a data-driven platform, we're trying to push data through a funnel. And the top of that funnel is data, right? The second funnel of that is how do I get, how do I get to insight? What can I learn from that data? But the more powerful step, even of that, is step three, where we go from where we go from insight to suggested action. So doing this specific thing, or making this specific plan design change, or change, or focusing on this specific clinical category or this specific procedure, right? Then drives to a completely measurable impact where I know the ROI. So. Mm -hmm. When we think about data, we think about this data journey from data to insight, to suggested action, to measurable impact. And we're building the tech tools to make those things easy for the employers, but even more so for our broker partners. Okay. Yeah. And I think that's really what I was going to kind of, I'm thinking about next is when you describe that, I picture that as being a platform for the plan sponsors, right? For the people who are designing the plans, paying the bills, but obviously it's that type of data and, and taking that data to your point down to actual suggested actions that get you the results you're looking for um, is impactful for employer sponsors, but also for their broker partners, right? That are really their thought partners and their people that are helping them um, design these programs that are going to create this shift that we're talking about, right? So, yep. so when we think about that shift, um, is it the brokers or the employers that you think are really going to be the driver, right, of this new healthcare model that are going to create the change? Where, where's the power or the opportunity? I, I think it's going to be a combination. So I think you're going to see really innovative, really thoughtful, bright, intelligent CFOs, HR and benefits leaders that are aggressively looking, looking for solutions to do two things for them. And, and the first being like, how do I, how do I get a hold of my costs and ultimately lower those costs? I think for the first time ever, and this is, you know, when I talk about gradually, then suddenly, I think suddenly, you know, in a, in a mid COVID, cause I don't think we're in a post COVID world yet, but in a mid COVID world and even a post COVID world sometime in the future, we can't just make changes or decisions that affect costs without being thoughtful about the impact on the humans, right? So the employees and the plan members. And so I think, the smartest, brightest employers are going to figure that out. Uh, but my, my sense is, and what we've seen from experience is the vast majority of this adoption and growth is going to come through the broker channels, 
right? Because the brokers is so important for all kinds of reasons and placing insurance and building spreadsheets isn't any of those important reasons. The important reasons are employers bombarded by people, right? This is the next silver bullet, right? That's going to save all your healthcare costs and people are going to love you. And so the brokers remain, and we think even more so will be the trusted source that helps that helps our prospective employers and even our existing employer customers like filter through all that noise. Yeah, I agree. And I love hearing it placed that way because I can tell you, you know, my position on as a, as a HR management consultant, when I partner with brokers to help build these for programs, that's what I see. These are the people who have the real power to understand. They know the client, they know the culture, the situation and them being able to have the tools to bring that to their, um, clients to build these kind of plans, it, it is really impactful. And I love seeing that, right? People that are doing the right things for the right reason. And I think there's a lot of them out there. So when we think about this kind of shift, right, though, this idea of I need to go from just hating my health insurance carrier and complaining about it all the time and, and blaming everything on them to as a member, I have an ability to take control of my health. Do you think members, you know, end users, patients, are they ready for this new model? That's a good question. They're ready, but they need help. Uh, so I think one thing that's underappreciated when we talk to brokers and to employers and things is how efficient kind of the big healthcare model is at moving people to the highest cost settings as quickly as possible. There's not much friction for you as a consumer or a patient when the doc says, don't worry, the referral center will call you and they'll let you know what time your MRI is, right? That's easy. There's no friction until you get the bill. Uh, right. So there's a powerful system with a really strong current that moves people into the wrong place. So there's still heavy lifting here. And, you know, employers need to know where to focus, but the message has to be focused to the plan member. And I think these decisions should be simple. We're not trying to build technology that allows you to go compare eight different places to get an MRI. Right. These decisions should be binary for them to be easy. This choice is not a good financial choice. So it costs you a lot of money right? This choice is a great choice. So it doesn't cost you anything out of pocket. So the members will be there, but the more engaged the broker is, the more engaged the employer is, the better the results. So people that are employing, you know, care advocacy at some level, or people that have some form of an on-site or near-site clinic, right? Where those things, their very nature absorb complexity for the plan member, right? Then we see more utilization and more savings and a better experience. That makes total sense to me. And the idea of the, the patients, the members really understanding the system and having enough information to be able to have a different type of conversation with their doctor, their physician than what they've had in the past when it comes to, you know, the need for different services and being able to advocate for themselves and having the information to do that. I think that's a really powerful part of it, right? So, so I think, you know, before we wrap it up, I, I think it'd be curious to hear what it is that makes you really the right person to talk about this topic. I, I have my view on that, but let's hear yours. Okay. Geez, maybe one day I get to hear your view on that too. I'd be interested to hear that. Probably not today. You know, yeah, you know, I've lived this, right? So I've lived this working in health systems and working with carriers and, you know, on the broker side of things, but more importantly, I've learned it as a consumer, you know? Years ago, my father had a stroke. Uh, when my father had a stroke, we found out he was diabetic, uh, right? So all these things, like my father wasn't doing to take care of himself appropriately. I had an unfair advantage, right? In the sense that I said, okay, all these things are going on. We need to move you to this primary care setting, 
right? Because the docs in this primary care setting are on a transformational model that's got shared risk with Medicare. They'll help manage these things to make sure we prevent adverse outcomes, right? I, I felt good about helping him find the right delivery mechanism. Fast forward a couple years later, he has an injury to his foot. Things don't go as fast as we can. The doctor says to me on a Saturday morning, it's the weekend. I don't want, what do you want me to do? Call me Monday if you're still having a problem. Uh, and then Tuesday evening, they have to amputate my father's leg. Right. I understand the impact, not just financial, but social and mental and things. Big healthcare models were built to design and to deliver. And I get it. This is painful. This is scary. People are trying to make tough decisions without any data, right, at the consumer level. Uh, and the system failed my father, right? Even when he had every single significant strategic advantage of having me hopefully align the right, piece, align the right pieces for him. So I get it. And it's just, it's not sustainable, right? We, we can't continue to expect employees, right, to to pay more and more for less and less year over year. Okay, so good answer, probably better than mine. I think that was a, a good, good analogy and, and, and very emotional as well. So, so when we think about this new series, right, this shift happens, what are the kind of topics that we can expect to learn about on the rest of the show? Yeah, yeah, we're gonna highlight kind of the people, right? So these are gonna be the pirates and the innovators and the dreamers, and these are the people that are forcing this shift forward. Right. Who are the people actually out there in hand to hand combat accelerating the shift? And we're going to hear from, you know, innovative physicians, right? Innovative health systems, innovative, you know, orthopedic hospitals. We're going to hear from the brokers that are doing things we never thought were possible. We're going to hear from the employers, right, that rolled out plans that had no deductible and no cost sharing and their overall cost went down 30 percent. Right. The idea is how do we shine a light on these innovators that are accelerating the shift? Right. You know, like they, you know, like as often quoted, you know, the future is here. It's just not evenly distributed. Right. Yep. Yep. I get that. Good. I'll be anxious to hear some of that. Perfect. So I, I've loved our conversation, Lori. I want to thank you so much uh, for everyone else. I hope this has been useful, helpful, informative uh, and fun. You know, hit me up on LinkedIn or Twitter. I'd love to hear uh, what's going on, uh, what you're thinking about. Uh, let's get shift done. Uh, take care and stay healthy. Thanks. Bye-bye. We hope you've enjoyed Flying Zero Studios on our destination to Shift Happens with Jim Milloway. Be sure to subscribe and review our podcast. And don't forget to join us for each and every episode as we accelerate the shift to the member-first economy.